Hey, this is David Dearman. I'm the pastor at Memphis Tabernacle, and this is our podcast. I wanted to thank you for joining us today. I hope that this message inspires you and builds your faith. I hope that it gives you fresh insight and strength to see God move in your life. Enjoy the message. Let's look at Luke chapter 11. Matthew chapter 21, I'll just read this to you. Matthew chapter 21 and verse 13. Jesus said this. He walked into the, the, what we would call church, and they were doing business in church. And he walked in, and he kind of said it as a rebuke. He turned over their business tables, and he said, my house, notice he was quoting out of the Old Testament. He said, my house shall be called, uh, what? House of prayer. He said, but you've made it a den of thieves. What was he doing? He was setting down some house rules. He was kind of saying, this is what church is, guys. I mean, we could say, what is church? Well, church is this and church is that, church is that. And Jesus quoted and said, what is church? It's prayer. It's a place where we come and meet God. That's why this is called Memphis Tabernacle. A tabernacle is a place where God and people meet. I mean, if you just boil down what a tabernacle is, it's where we come and meet God, period. And, you know, someone says, well, I'm not having as much community and fun. Well, go on a cruise. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. We have small groups. I want you to be happy. We want community. We love, we love all that. We love all that. But can I tell you, if we have everything and we don't have God, we're missing out. Amen. He said, my house shall be called a house of prayer. And where he quoted it from, he says, prayer for all the nations. What is he saying? Not just for yourself, not just requests, but a prayer for the world. We need to be a people of prayer. But he said, you've turned it into a business. You've kind of turned church into a business. And, and sometimes you talk to people and you say, why don't you go to church? Ah, church is just another business. You've heard people say it before. Church is just another business, you know. But here's the reality. To God, it's not. And to us, it's not. Church is a house where we come and meet God. God is the priority. God is the number one honored guest and will always be in this house. Jesus will always be the top name over this house. Amen. Amen? Sometimes people will come and ask me, hey, can, Pastor, can we do this? Can we do that? And can we do this? And I'll say, well, we'll have to ask the head of the house. You know, well, you know, and they'll try to convince me and talk to me about things and try to let me know their thought. And I said, hey, brother, sister, I completely, I don't think you're wrong. I think what you're saying really makes a whole lot of sense. <laughs> but I'm not in charge. Oh, I thought you were the pastor. Oh, I am, but I'm an under shepherd. There's the great shepherd of the sheep, and that's, his name is Jesus, right? In 1 Peter, where I read, he said, shepherd the flock of God who is among you. I'm only shepherding his flock. Isn't that right? And so my stewardship is to shepherd the flock of God. We're a house of prayer, so if we don't stay in conversation and connection with him, then we're in trouble. And the, the, the primary place I'm constantly trying to lead us to, is to him. Why? Because 99% of the time, you're not with me. You're not here with others. You're not in this place. But you can be with him. That's why he says, praying always in Ephesians 6. It's important to be with him. My house shall be called a house of prayer. So week one, we were doing a prayer series called House of Prayer. And two weeks ago, uh, we talked about the very first point of prayer, and that's the posture of prayer. The posture of prayer is humility. 
Humility starts before prayer. 2 Chronicles 7.14 says, If my people will humble themselves and pray. If you don't learn to humble yourselves, prayer will be a temporary thing. If you don't learn to humble yourselves, prayer will just be something that we do when there's a prayer series or we do when we're in some junk going on in our lives. So we go into prayer. Oh, I'm going to pray. I make some commitments. I'm going to go for it. But if we will stay humble before the Lord, what does humility do? It recognizes that without God, I'm in some deep stuff. Right? Without God, I'm in trouble. Somebody admit that today? Without God, we're this close. This close. This close. All of us are. No, I'm in a good place. You don't even know what place you're in. We don't even know what. There's so many people that I know that were this close to disaster, this close to something. We need God in our lives. Can somebody just give a resounding amen? Amen. We need God. So it takes humility. The posture of prayer is humility. And we talked last week about the position of prayer. The position of prayer is sonship. Sonship. Many people, when they pray, they pray from the outside in. They pray to a distant God. This is what Jesus was talking about when he was talking about the Pharisees. He was saying the Pharisees pray all these prayers to impress people because here's the reality. If you don't have a relationship with a father, you'll pray to impress people. But Jesus said you have to pray from the position of having a father in your life. If you haven't listened to those messages, please go back, not because I ministered those last week, but because I believe the Lord had something to say to us. Go to iTunes, go on the podcast, just type in Memphis Tabernacle, and those two. Uh, the posture of prayer is humility. The position of prayer is sonship that we pray to, Father. But today, here's what I want to do, and I'm so excited about this. I want to go over just some very simple points about how to pray. Let me tell you, I want, the, the big thing I want to talk to you about today is I want you to know how to pray. I believe there's two reasons why people don't pray primarily. Number one, a lack of humility. People don't have a reason to pray. They don't have enough problems in their life. They have doctors. They have credit cards. They have people who can bail them out. They have answers. They have education. They have all the things. And so they don't have a reason to pray. And then they, they don't have humility. And then number two, they don't know how to pray. So they get in there in a position to pray. And they go, okay, I'm going to pray. And then they go, God, I'm in trouble, I'm, and about 30 seconds later, they're like, I don't really know what else to say. <laughs> Thank you for my breakfast. <laughs> and they jump into something else because they don't know how to pray. But can I say this morning, God wants you to know how to pray. And I'm, this is what I'm excited about. Why am I excited that you know how to pray? Here's why. Because if you'll learn to pray, if you'll learn to pray, it'll fix your life. It'll fix everything. It'll fix every challenge, every worry, every concern. It'll fix your life personally. It'll fix your family. It'll fix your job. It'll fix your finances. It'll fix your body. It'll fix your mind. It'll fix the direction in your life. It'll fix where you're going. It'll fix your friendships. It'll fix your relationships. It'll fix our city. Our city is not in a, in a, a place because of certain politics. Our city's not in a place just because people have made certain decisions. The Bible says in the book of Ephesians, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness of the days. All of these things are unseen. So if we try to fight the devil in the seen, we lose. We lose. Why I'm so excited about us learning how to pray is because if we learn how to pray, we win. 
If we learn how to pray, we fix the problems. God gets to fix the problems in our life. And you say, well, I thought it was just if it's God's will, it'll happen. That's not, that's not true. The doctrine of if it's God's will, it'll happen is not true. And, and, and let me just give you a simple example. We'll, we'll talk about that at some other point. Is it God's will for everyone to be saved? The Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Does he want everyone to be saved? That whoever will, he wants, is everyone going to be saved? No. no. So if it's God's will, just in that situation, it'll happen. It won't happen. Just in that situation, right there. See, because people have choices. There's human will involved. And God gives humans the ability to make choices in their lives. And so what we need to do is we need to pray God's will in our life. So I'm going to give you some very simple, simple, simple things. If we can learn to pray, this is why, though, it'll fix your life, your family, your relationships, your friends, your city. So go to Luke chapter 11, and we're going to go through this quickly. Luke chapter 11 and verse 1, and it says, Now it came to pass, look at this on the screen. Now it came to pass as he was praying in a certain place, Jesus, when he ceased that one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. Can we say that out loud? Lord, teach us to pray. Have you ever prayed that question before? I don't know how to pray, right? I have. Yeah. Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. So he said to them, what was he doing? He was saying, okay, here's, how to, here, here's my lesson, right? For 1995, here's my lesson. No, no, no. He was just saying, here's my lesson right here. I'm going to teach you how to pray. See, the Lord's lessons are free. They're right there. I'm going to teach you how to pray. And then, he, and then he says, here's, here's how to pray. Let's read this out loud together, uh, loudly and out loud. Let's say. So he said to them, when you pray, say, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins, for we forgive everyone indebted to us. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Jesus taught us in the Gospels, he taught in two different places how to pray. Two different places this is found, okay? One is found when the guy stopped him. Jesus was praying, he's calling out to God, and the disciples like, man, that guy can pray. So when Jesus, like, paused, he's like, hey, can you teach us how to, how to pray and talk that way? And so he said, okay. Here's what to, when you pray, say. First of all, I want you to notice he said, say. Some people will tell you, well, I just pray on the inside. No, Jesus said, when you pray, say. You got to get it out of your mouth. You got to get it out of your mouth. It, it, when, it, would be like, it would be like, you know, I love my wife. We've been married for 20 years. And I just say, she says, do you love me? And I say, mm-hmm, I'm just saying it on the inside. She said, well, you better say it on the outside. <laughs> Knock you in the head. You better say it on the outside, right? Right? I, it's important to say to the Lord. When we pray, we have to say. I don't know what to say. That's what we're going to go into. So uh, two places. This one was a little bit abbreviated version. And then in the book of Matthew, chapter 6, Jesus was giving what we know as, of as the Sermon on the Mount. It's a little bit longer version, and we're going to go out of this because it has points here. Matthew, chapter 6, and verse 9, and he says this. He says, in this manner, therefore, pray. And I'm just going to uh, go over this. In other words, when he says, this manner, therefore, pray, he's saying, pray like this. Now, I want you to take notes on this. You say, I'm not a note taker. Just be one today because I promise this is going to help you. Promise this is going to help you. Okay? When you pray, pray like this, Jesus says. What is prayer? Prayer is communication with our Father. 
Prayer is communication with God. First of all, I want to tell you there's different kinds of prayer. Just like there's different kinds of communication. Think about a friend that you have in your life. You have different kinds of communication in your friendship. Sometimes in your friendship, you see your friend needs encouragement, so you go and encourage them. And you say, I really appreciate your friendship. You really, uh, you know, and you, you, you bless them. You, you talk to them. Other times you go and you say, hey, can you give me a hand? Can you help me out with this? Other times you realize that maybe you said something hurtful and you need to go apologize to them, Right? You ask for forgiveness to a friend. Other times, uh, you go to them and you say, hey, I have someone else uh, across the street that's in trouble. Can you come give me a hand for them? That's called intercession, right? There, there's different kinds of ways that you communicate with friends. Well, there's different kinds of prayers with God. Sometimes we just throw it all into one bag and we just say, well, it's just all called prayer. Well, if we did that with something like sports or something, you know, it's all just sports. Let's go outside and play sports. What kind of sports, right? Different sports have different rules. They have different things. And we'll go into some of that later. But, but my point is this. Jesus is breaking down different kinds of, different ways to pray and communicate with the Father. There's six of them that he shows right here and that we're supposed to pray, I believe, on a daily basis here. Prayer is communication with God. There's different kinds of prayers. So Jesus gives us six points to pray. What would you just say this morning? Six points. Okay, six points, okay, and I'm going to go through them quickly. Number one, worship. Say worship. Worship, okay. He says, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Hallowed be your name. The word hallowed is kind of a, uh, you know, we don't use that word very much. Um, but the word hallowed, 26 out of the 29 times that it's used in the New Testament, it's really uh, translated sanctify. It's not translated hallowed. Uh, Hollow it. It's, it's uh, translated sanctify. In fact, like one of the places is in the book of Ephesians where the Bible says that uh, Jesus sanctified his bride or he, he sanctified her with the washing of water by the word. In other words, he set her apart. He made her distinct. He made her different. Well, sometimes that we, for us to say, we sanctify you, Lord, could almost feel like dishonoring to the Lord. Does everybody understand what I mean? But so what they said was hollowed or holy or set apart. But the point of, of it is this, that when we come to the Father, the number one thing we do is worship. What are we doing? We're sanctifying him. We're telling him everyone else in my life is different than my relationship with you. There's nobody that I do this to. Can everybody just, just don't drop your notes. Just lift your hands just for one moment. Just, just go like this. Just, just go like this real quick. Yeah. I'll put them right back down. Yeah. Do you know there's no one that I walk up to? I go, hey, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> Miara, worship, man. Worship was awesome this morning. <laughs> Tiffany, oh, I missed you today. You don't do that. Do you know, do you know that's why lifting your hands is so special? Why? It's holy. It's distinct. I don't, give, I don't give this to anybody else. I don't do that to anybody else. And, and what is he saying? When we're talking to Father God, we're saying, Hallowed, I'm just showing you one sign of the heart. It's not outward actions, but it's the heart. Hallowed be your name. Holy is your name. There's something distinct, something separate. And worship, it sanctifies or sets God apart in our eyes. It's important that every day when you pray, you set God apart in your eyes. God, you're not like any TV show. 
You're not like any person that I, I respect. You're not like any hero. You're not like any mentor. You're not like any boss, any father, any person that I respect. You're different. God, I love you today. That's why every day of my life that I can remember, I wake up in the morning. I walk downstairs. If I have, you know, if I have two stories, walk downstairs. I just lift my hands and I say, Father, I love you. Father, I, Father, thank you for being in my life. Father, I thank you for that I get to be your son today, Father. And some days I feel close to him, but most days I don't feel a thing. You might say, you don't? No, because I don't do it out of feeling. I do it out of relationship. Feelings always... Follow relationship. Follow the disciplines. Number one, worship. Number two, number two. The second thing is surrender. Surrender. Our Father in heaven, holy is your name. But then the second thing, he says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What is he saying? All day long we're working on our goals. All day long we're working on our agenda. All day long we're working on our plans. But he's saying, God, I want to tell you, first of all, it's not about me. It's about you. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. There's a real kingdom agenda, and it's God's kingdom. <laughs> he says, on earth as it is in heaven, you want to see a picture of it. In heaven, uh, I can promise you that there are no political parties. In heaven, there are no uh, military t- uh, defense that's going on. There's no defense. There's God, and everyone serves God. So he's saying, uh, your kingdom come, your will be done. In heaven, there's no divides. There's no anarchy that's going on in heaven. And he says, your will be done. So here's what he's saying. We, We should take everything in our lives and submit it to the will of God. So here's what, here's what I like to do. I like to do it from the inside out. I like to start it from me personally. I say, Lord, in my life, try to do this. I try to do this every day. God, in my life, not my will, but your will be done. Every goal that I have, every plan I have for 2019, it's yours. I'll rip them up today. It's all subject to you. Every plan for my, I pray over my, and then I go outward. I go, Lord, over Tiffany today, I pray that the will of God would be done in her life. Lord, keep her in the center of your will. Draw close to her. Show yourself faithful to her. Show yourself strong to her. Lord, I pray, and I just go down the the line. I say, Lord, I pray for my oldest son today. God, I pray that you'd protect him at school today. Cover him today. Keep him in your will. Lord, I pray for, and I just go and pray for every one of my children. Then I pray for every one of the leaders at our church. Then I pray for every, I start going down, and when people come to mind in, uh, in the church, I start going down, and I pray for everyone in the church. And then I pray, I start praying for the city. I'll call out the mayor. I'll call out the judicial system. I start, and I just have a list of people that I go through. What am I doing? I'm starting from me. I'm going to the next layer. Pray everybody in your work environment. Those people that you're ticked off at, those people that you're frustrated at, those people that stress you out at work and you're saying, God, fire them. God, kill them. I'm kidding. <laughs> God, take them out. <laughs> you know? You no, know, you know, no, no. Well, let me just tell you take two weeks and pray for them, and I promise you, you'll see change. You'll see change. Pray for them every day. God, touch their heart, soften their heart, change their heart. If we'll just, uh, Philippians 4, 6, be anxious for nothing but in everything pray. What is he saying? Stress about nothing, pray about everything. Stress about nothing, pray about everything. If we would just start from us, go to our families, pray for us, 
Pray for your family. Pray for your work. Pray for your church. Pray for Tiffany and I. Pray for your leadership. If I can promise you, you may come here and you might say, I really like this church. If you come here for a while, you'll find things that you don't like. You'll find things you don't like about us. You'll find things you don't like about the church. You'll find things, I don't like that. I don't like that. I don't like that. And I, if I thought about it, I could probably agree with you and chime in and say, not only that, but this and this and this and this too. It's not that I don't disagree because it's easy to disagree with things. But I'll tell you what, turn those disagreements about and pray. Pray. Pray for your church. Pray for your leaders. Pray for your work. Well, they're not Christians. That's why you pray. Pray for your political leaders. Pray for your nation. I don't like Trump. I don't care if you like Trump or not. Pray for President Trump. Why? Because Jesus said to. The Bible says to pray for our leaders. Pray for every leader. It's, it's important that we be people of prayer. Can somebody say amen? amen? So surrender. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Uh, even Jesus in Luke chapter 22 said, Father, if it's your will, take this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. And you want to know what the will of the Lord is? Here's the ultimate will of the Lord. First Timothy, I just quoted a chapter 2. Jesus said, our God desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. First, first Timothy chapter 2 verse 4. What is he saying? He's saying, ultimately, his will is pray for the lost. Pray for the lost. Most of our problems is because our minds are on our own junk. When we start thinking about the lost, when we start thinking about people and the state of their being and where, the, where their eternity is, our stuff is very minimal. Our problems are very minimal. What I gave my life for is very minimal. People matter to God. Every person matters to God. And I pray, this is what I, I've been praying lately. I haven't, and I've repented over it. God, give us a heart for the lost. Come on, stop and pray with me right now. Give us a heart for the lost. Give me a heart for my neighbors. Give me a heart for my friends. Give me a heart for people who don't know you, Lord. Number three, number three, ask. Ask. He says, give us this day our daily bread. Give us this day our daily bread. I want you to notice what he asked for. He didn't say, I, I asked you for a million bucks. He said, give us what I need today. Give me what I need today. Uh, in Exodus chapter 16, verse 4, and I, I don't have time to go into it, but in Exodus 16, 4, the Bible says to the, uh, Moses said to the children of Israel, the Lord said to Moses, I'm going to rain down bread from heaven for you. The people are going to go out and gather a certain quota every day that I may test them. Why does he give you bread every day? Because he wants to test you to see if you'll depend on God every day. Sometimes we, we don't want to depend on God every day, so we say, God, just give me enough for, you know, for, for, for like a couple of weeks so that I can like kind of have, a, uh, you know, slush fund so that I don't have to pray all the time, all the time. You know, if we have to, every day, I'm kind of backed up. I, I need you every day, right? We don't say that, but he's saying that I may test you. What is he saying? He's saying, I want to test you so that you depend on me every single day. And then over in, just down in verse 18, a few verses down, it says, So when they measured by omers, he who gathered much, the people who said, I'm just going to get a bunch, they didn't have anything left over. And the people who gathered little, they didn't have any lack. Every man had gathered according to each man's need. What is he saying? He's saying, you could work your behind off. You could work day and night, but like, you know, Psalm 127 says, unless the Lord builds a house of labor in vain. And he says, it's vain for you to rise up early, go to bed late. He gives his beloved rest. Why? Because if the Lord doesn't prosper you, you won't be prospered. 
Amen? Give us today our daily bread. Give us what we need. Why? It's important that we have what we need. Uh, and, and I'll just put this out. You can study it later. Proverbs chapter 30, verse 8. Uh, it says, feed me, Lord, with the food allotted to me, lest I be, and he says on both sides, lest I be full, like I have too much, and I deny you because I'm like, Lord, I have so much. <laughs> I mean, I have 34 seasons of Netflix to watch. I mean, <laughs> when am I going to have time to pray, Lord? I mean, I'm in a dilemma, God. Please help me. What do I do? Right? He says, or lest I be so poor that I'm going to steal, right? I'm going to come over on this side. Lord, I don't want to be on this side of, of blessing or I don't want to be on that side of blessing. So make sure that I have enough. Lord, you know what I need. And how do you know you have enough? Well, uh, you know, just enough. Well, the Bible says in Proverbs chapter 10, verse 22, the blessing of the Lord makes one rich. God doesn't have a, rich, a problem with riches. He says, and adds no sorrow to it. In other words, you don't have all this stuff that's just like, I don't even know what to do with all this extra, right? The blessing of the Lord makes one rich and adds no sorrow to it. So number three, ask for what you need. Every day, ask for what you need. Number four, forgive. Say the word forgive. Forgive, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. First John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sins, these are, this is for believers, If you're not a believer, make Jesus the Lord of your life. How do you do it? You confess Jesus as the Lord of your life. You're not confessing sin, you're confessing Jesus. Once you confess Jesus, you're in Jesus. Now that you're a believer, if you mess up, if you transgress, if you do something you're not supposed to do and you have that disconnect on the inside, you just feel like you're out of fellowship with God. You're not out of relationship. You're out of fellowship with God. In other words, you, you don't feel close to God. Then you confess your sin to God. And the Bible says he's faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you from all your unrighteousness. How do you know you have something to confess? Because when you go to pray and that thing comes up, do you know what I mean? It could just be something very minor. It could just be something very minor. Oftentimes, I'll wake up in the morning very early, and oftentimes when I first start to pray, something comes to my mind, and it could be that at 2 o'clock in the afternoon the day before, I was in the middle of a 34-minute conversation, and right in the middle of that conversation, one statement I said comes up in my mind, and I realize, I shouldn't have said that. Now, I'm not saying God's being ticky-tacky, but I realized the intent of my heart was just a little off. And the Lord, he didn't only judge your actions, he judges the, he, he touches you on the intents of your heart. And so I just say, Lord, I'm sorry about that. Do you, and I'll ask the Lord, do you want me to call the person and tell them sorry? Because I feel like about half of my life's an apology. <laughs> I apologize more than I know. I apologize to people more than, I, than anybody I know. And it's not because I mess up more than anybody I know. It's because I just want my heart to be right. I just want to be pure. And when something comes up inside, I, 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 I can't. Let me tell you, people say, how do you have a happy marriage? We apologize a lot. Just yesterday, we sat down. I don't like to ever bring our marriage in, into the in the church, but let me just tell you. We sat down. We had a heated conversation about some stuff, nothing against one another, nothing, we're not having marriage problems, everything, but we had a conversation, I mean just directly for about 30 minutes yesterday. And you know what we did? We both realized that we weren't seeing something. I, re- I saw, oh, I didn't even catch it. She, I didn't even catch it. We apologized. We just had, I mean, it was just, but, but that's common. You mean you fight a lot? No, we make up a lot. It's a good marriage. <laughs> that's why we have four kids. <laughs> That's why we have four kids. 
It's not just because I'm good looking. <laughs> it's because we make up a lot, right? Um, but, the, but the reality is we need to have clean hearts. If you have something against somebody, forgive them. They haven't apologized. No, forgive them. Don't wait till they apologize. Don't wait till they apologize. Forgive them. <laughs> Someone said unforgiveness is like drinking poison yourself and waiting for the other person to die. It's important to forgive people. If we confess, God is faithful to forgive you. But he said in 1 John 4, he said, Beloved, if he, forgave, if he loved us, love one another. And how do we love? 1 Peter 4, 8 says, love covers a multitude of sins. That's what love is. Love just covers sin. Don't wait for someone to apologize. If I waited for people to apologize, but I don't even, I can't even think right now. I can't even think of anything that anyone's done wrong to me. I don't even have it in my mind. I can't, I just think everyone likes me and I like everybody. I'm naive like that. Why? Because I, I don't have a big bank account for, for that kind of mess. Why? Because the enemy can get in that way and we need the presence of the Lord in our lives. Keep a clean heart. Keep a clean heart. Keep a low bank account. It's, it's sort of the same way if you're talking about debt. You know, don't get in debt. Debt collects, right? Don't get in debt. Don't get in debt in your heart to people. I have a funny story to tell you, but I can't. I'll tell you later. Um, <laughs> uh, protect, number five, protect. Protect. Lord, protect us. Lord, protect us. Protect us. He says, do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. First Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. I, my heart really is tender toward this one because I know there's, there's a number of people in here that are probably struggling with bondage in your life. When I say bondage, you mean, I mean, there's something that has control of you and you don't feel like you can, you, you have a say-so. There's things that, you know, temptations or things, and you, mostly you do, but sometimes it just has control of you. And I want to give you a really good scripture for that to defeat that lie of the enemy. Right here in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. See, Jesus gave scriptures to defeat the lies of the enemy. He says, no temptation has overtaken you except such as common to man. Listen, but God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. Listen to this. This is the point. But with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. What is he saying? With every temptation, God gives you a way out. With every temptation, God gives you the way out. If you have a temptation that, that's hitting you, God gives you the way out. He shows you a passage out. He shows you a way out. Like Houdini. You know, Houdini always had a way out <laughs> until his last time. No, but, uh, but Houdini, Houdini always had like a way out, like do anything to me and, and I'll have a way out, right? Right? God always will give you the way out if you have a temptation. But you have to be connected to God to get the way out. And you have to believe. Not only be connected with God, but he who comes to God must believe that he is and he's the reward of those who do. Well, in other words, not only that you have to believe that God has the way out, but that God will give you the way out. You have to believe that. It takes faith to receive the way out. So it takes faith to receive the way out of temptation. Or for all of us, do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. There's a real devil out there who's trying to take us all out. I love, one of my favorite is just Psalm 91. You can sit on it, you can meditate on it. He who dwells in the secret place shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I'll say of the Lord, he's my refuge and my fortress. Notice, I'll say of the Lord, police departments, when they come up into a dangerous situation, 
and they're facing crime or danger and they come up to something, what do they do? They don't go into a dangerous situation, especially with multiple people, until they call for, what do they call for? Backup. They call for backup, right? And then when they call for backup, they, before someone runs into a situation, they say, hey, cover me. They're, they're like, fire some shots in that direction while I run over there or do something. You know what they're saying? He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow. They're working with God. God's covering them. They're calling for backup in a situation. I think sometimes we hit situations and we don't call for backup. And then we call God after we got shot and hit and about dead. <laughs> Revive me. You should have called him for backup, right? Call him before this situation. Call him before you got shot. Call him for backup, right? So that's what Psalm 91 is all about. Pray it over you. Pray it over your family. And then number six, number six is this. It's praise. Praise. You say praise. I thought that was supposed to come first. Yeah, I did too. But look at, look at this, number six. He says, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. What is he doing? Uh, worship is to God face to face. Praise is about God. Right? It's attributing this to God. Yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory. The kingdom is God's rule and reign. It's saying that this is God's kingdom. The power is it's saying, God, you're the one who makes it happen. The, the glory is yours is the splendor. It's the brightness. It's, it's the spotlight. If we were in a play, the spotlight's on you. And, and forever, how long, how long is it going to be that way? Forever. Uh, the, the quick example on this would be in, uh, uh, I remember living in, in Southern California. They would have these Hollywood home tours. And you'd go around these Hollywood home, not that I'd ever gone on one, but Hollywood home tours, right? You'd go to one and you'd, and they'd come up to this Hollywood home and they'd say, oh, this is, uh, you know, such and such is home. And they'd say, well, whose home is that again? Oh, that's such and such. I'm just giving an example, okay? Yours is the kingdom. Who, whose kingdom is that? Oh, that's such and such. And then, but, and then they might say, oh, but, but they didn't earn that. That was passed down from someone else. See, that wasn't their power. That was their parents' power that passed that down, right? Or, or they might say, oh, they came from the, the hood. They came from, like, a bad place. And they, man, they, they, they worked and got it all. Oh, no, theirs is the power now. There's, they gained all that, right? And theirs is the glory. What's the glory? In other words, the respect, the esteem for those kinds of things went to them, Right? They, they didn't uh, just, just inherited it, but may, maybe they're the top designer of a luxury car or something. And they say, or they're the goat, right? They're the, they're the greatest of all time, right? And they say, yours is the glory. Oh, look at them. Look at, and then they say, but I don't know if it's going to last because they're horrible with money, right? So, so, so but, but I want you to notice what he says. Lord, yours is the kingdom. It belongs to you. Yours is the power. It wasn't passed down to you. It's because of you. Yours is the glory. Yours is like the spotlight's on you. And how long is it going to last? It's going to always be this way. I don't have a kingdom. You don't have a kingdom. We don't have power. We can't sustain this whole thing. What it does is it puts our prayer back in the hands of the Lord. And it says, Lord, I'm not walking away with the responsibility of this prayer. I walk away and put my trust in you, Lord. And so what are the six things? Again, just read them with me. Number one is worship. Number two is Surrender. Number three is ask. Number four is forgive. Number five is protect. Number six is praise. Jesus gives six points. You could pray it in six minutes a day. You could pray it in 12 minutes a day. You could pray it in 24 minutes a day. You could pray it in 60 minutes a day. For many, for many, many months, maybe even years, I prayed this for 60 minutes a day. I just would take 10 minutes and I'd just map it out in 10 minutes. 
and, and I'm, what, what I want to challenge you to do, what I'm going to ask you to do is take this week. I'm, gonna, I'm asking everybody in here if you do it. You don't have to do it, but I'm asking you if you do it. If you take this week and you'd pray this prayer, these six things, every day this week, pray these six things. If you want to do it in six minutes, 12 minutes, 24 minutes, 60 minutes, whatever you want to do. But pray it every day this week. And then this Tuesday night at prayer, prayer is going to last from 7 to 8. And we're going to pray for 60 minutes. And we're going to pray exactly 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10. We're going to do exactly this for 60 minutes this Tuesday right here. If, if at all you can be here. I know some of you say I work at night. I understand. But if you can make it, okay, this Tuesday night, we're going to be in the sanctuary. We're going to pray for 60 minutes. You can leave right at 8 o'clock, okay? 60 minutes, we're going to pray this prayer. Why is it important to pray this prayer? You say, I already have a different way of pray, praying. Um, because we develop through patterns in our life. I'm closing here, but listen. We develop through patterns. Don't miss this. We develop through patterns in our life. Like in piano. Okay, I play piano. In piano, scales. If you don't learn scales, you're going you're gonna to miss them, right? In, in dance, right? Remember, you know, in dance, when they do that, like, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, one, two. I, I'm not, you, uh, <laughs> I, I, I took step aerobics in college, and, and I quit for other people's sake because everybody laughed and laughed and laughed. And I wasn't embarrassed for me. I just was disrupting the class. But it does take, there are steps, there are steps in, in you know, music and dance and, you know, in, in everything. And, and Jesus did say, in this manner, pray. What is he doing? He's saying there's a pattern, there's a way to pray. And, and he said it more than once. He laid out this pattern twice, which means it wasn't just kind of a random like, ah, this is how I was praying five minutes ago. How about this one? No, he said it two different occasions. And he said it pretty much the same thing right here. Not to lock you in. I'm not tell, telling you to do a pattern not to lock you in, but to give you a path to pray for a consistency. Can I tell you the greatest discipline that you can develop in life? And I mean this with all of my heart. Prayer is the greatest discipline you can ever develop in your life. It's the greatest discipline that I have. Prayer, I don't, it doesn't matter if you're 12 years old in here or if you're 85 years old in here. Prayer is the greatest discipline that you'll ever develop in your life. Why? Because you're going to fight a battle. Sometimes people will tell their kids or their wife or spouse to get in something like self-defense because they'll carry it in their lives all their life and they'll always feel protected and they'll always just carry that with them. And I tell you, if you'll, if you'll just take this week, just this week, and just take this week for six days and just pray for six days, I promise you, your life will be changed this week. I mean, it'll turn everything around. You say, oh, come on. No, I, I, it'll turn everything around. It's not because this is a method. It's because this is, <laughs> this is God. You can't fight the devil with natural or physical things. And, and I'm, I'm done here, but there's many who are, who are facing things, and I want to say a, a simple prayer over you before I dismiss you today. And Father, I pray over every person in here that you'd help us, teach us. I know we're not in church here because we didn't have anything else to do today. But Jesus, you gave a simple lesson, and we just took it today, went over it. 
loving you, of worshiping you. Help us to turn our eyes to you, to love you, and to pray this week. Strengthen us, empower us. Pray for anyone who's discouraged today. Lift up their hearts. Lift up their minds. Help them to, fall, to, to, to get through this, Lord, because I, I believe it's going to change their life. In Jesus' name. Well, I hope you enjoyed the podcast today. And if you did, I'd like to ask you to subscribe to our show. That way, the most recent episode will always be in your feed, ready when you are. God bless you, and I'll see you next time on the Memphis Tabernacle Podcast.